Greetings, it's good to see you. Um, it's good to be here. I, I'll tell you the truth that when I come up, I am scared to preach. And I'm not scared to preach because I'm um, scared of people necessarily. I feel like I've been on stage long enough to not be scared of people. The reason I'm scared to preach is because I know when I'm going to be preaching on a topic, that topic will come into my life. And I'll have to live through it. And I'll have to suffer through it. So I, I try to preach about things that are you know, good and, and easy to preach about, so then those good things happen in my life. I like preaching on blessings because then the blessings pour out on my life, and I say, hallelujah, Jesus. Um, we're going to be going through the book of James in church, hopefully, and uh, the, the first part of James is going to be called Trouble to Triumph. That's the subject today. I'm scared to preach, but I like listening to other people preach. And the brother who was preaching before me, I, I caught what he said, and I just caught my attention. He says, um, I feel love. And you know when a brother's feeling love, and I heard he has a job. He's going to be getting married pretty soon. So y'all watch out. Just saying. Um, the other thing I wanted to say before I get into the Word is I want to have a dialogue, if possible, not a monologue. I know sometimes people come up here and they're preaching and I don't know if they get boring or you're distracted by your phone. But, you know, it's like you feel like you're talking to yourself or you're talking to the wall. Uh, please respond to me. Talk to me. Uh, if you feel like I'm getting bo- if, it, if it's getting boring or you don't understand something, raise your hand. Uh, if you feel like it's time for me to go, you know, just show me the clock. I'm okay with that. I'll be like, okay, it's time for me to go. Um, so what's going to happen while I'm, while I'm talking and I'm going to be going through the Word of God is there's going to be a couple questions on the screen. And so these are just things for you to think about. Like if you're, if you're listening to me and you're like, yeah, yeah, I already get the point. Read, the, read a couple questions. Think about it. If you have something to write down with, some, you know, if you're taking notes, take notes. Think about it. It'll give you something to think about. What else did I want to say before I get to it? Um, I'm going to be preaching from the Word of God. I'm not making stuff up. This is not, you know, um, I'm not here to entertain you, although I may be entertaining I may not be, um, but we're here to learn from the Word of God, and I believe that when we preach the Word of God, when we speak the Word of God, the Word of God has power, and it's not the preacher, it's not the presentation, it's the Word of God that has power. So try to focus on that and get what you can from it. So I'll tell you a little bit about my trial, and I was, I was thinking about this this week since Peter asked me to preach, I said, I'm going to be preaching about trials, there's going to be a trial coming up, and it came last night. My daughter is turning six months, my youngest daughter is turning six months um, on the 15th, which is coming up in 10 days. And almost since birth, she's our quietest baby, our calmest baby. She sleeps through the night, like day two or three, she was sleeping by herself almost through the night, like, wow, hallelujah, Jesus. So awesome. And then last night, it was a, it was a, it was a hard day. You know, work, you come home. She started teething. And when baby starts teething, they just yell and scream. And then they're, they're yelling and screaming because it hurts to eat. It hurts to eat. So they don't eat because anything you put in their mouth, it hurts. So I can't figure out, is she crying and screaming because she's hungry? Is she crying or screaming because her teeth hurt or the combination? So I was up till about 2 something in the morning, about 2 in the morning. Um, then I went to work today. Then I came home, I had some coffee, and I'm here by the grace of God. 
So please, please bear with me. That, that, that's my trial. And I was, as I was, you know, taking her and, and just kind of rocking, rocking um, Hannah to sleep or trying to, I was thinking about my own sermon as like I need to apply the things I'm going to be talking about. So that, with that said, let's read from James. And my sermon series, my sermon topic is called Trouble to Triumph. It'll be James chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. And the reason I'm going to be talking about this is so, what, so that we would know what to do when trials comes our, come, come our way. And I'm going to um, hit on four main points. And my four main points that I'm going to be talking about are one that all believers, everybody, will go through trials. My second point is that trials have a purpose in our life. My third point that I want to talk about is how to overcome these trials that do come our way. And my fourth point is that those who overcome these trials will be blessed. With that, I'm going to start reading from verse 1, and it says, Greeting from James. This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to the twelve tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. I want to focus on the first part of that verse. This book was written by James. It was one of the first books written in the, um, in the New Testament. And he was a half-brother of Jesus. It is interesting if you read the gospel, if you read the gospel of John, it says that when Jesus went out and he performed miracles and he did ministry, it says that his brothers, and James would be one of them, half-brother, did not believe him. They were skeptics. They didn't believe him. They were skeptics. They kind of looked at him, you know, you know how, how we sometimes look at our younger brothers or younger sisters, and what could you possibly teach me? What do you know? You're the little brother. You're the little sister. And if you're the little brother and the little sister, you might be looking at your older brother or older sister and say, I got something to tell you too. You know, I, I know something too. But that's, that's what it was. And it's interesting when we read it, it says, this letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. This individual started as a skeptic, started as someone who did not believe, and he found himself and he understood that he is now a slave and that he is someone who is in need of Jesus Christ. And with that, he starts his letter. And I was thinking that before we you know, continue and before we read, every one of us has to get to a point where we understand who we are before Jesus Christ. You know, we're all here, we're all looking pretty. We all look good, we're in church, we're all holy, or think we're holy, or think other people are holy. But I, oftentimes, I think we're skeptics. I think we have issues in our life, and, and because James was a half-brother of Jesus, he had the same mom, he probably looked like Jesus, I would imagine, physically, physically in appearance, right? You could, you could imagine he, he would look like Jesus. But he was a skeptic. He was not a believer. What I want to say is that if there's a burden on your heart, if you're a skeptic, if you haven't come to Christ, before you start reading the Word, before you start the Bible study, you have to come to Christ. 
You know, sometimes we come to church to hear the Word of God, and we don't hear the Word of God. We, we, can't, we can't absorb it. We can't take it because there's something going on in our life. And, you know, we, we're, all, we're all, you know, when you're young, you're pretty. But everybody's got something going on in their life. And until you take that and, and, and get rid of it, get past it, sometimes it's hard to absorb that, that word. And so, you know, being young is hard. I'll be honest with you. Being young, there's all sorts of issues that people go through that prevent them from hearing the Word of God and that prevent them from saying that Jesus is Lord. All sorts of things. You know, different people struggle with different issues. Some people struggle with self-esteem. Some people struggle, you know, looking at stuff that they shouldn't be looking at in pornography. Some people struggle with with, you know, food issues, and, and uh, some people struggle with drugs and alcohol. Some people here are struggling with self-esteem. Some people are struggling here with fitting into the crowd. And you come with all these struggles, and instead of receiving the word, you're a skeptic. You're having a hard time. And so my call to you is, if there's anything that's going on in your life, the worst thing you can do is just keep it in yourself. The best thing you can do, the Bible says in, in John, is to bring it out into the light. We're not just here to entertain each other. I'm not here to entertain you. We're here to help you out. Uh, I like this phrase that the church is not a museum for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. And I just want to make a call, maybe not for right now, but if you ever need to talk to somebody, find a minister I can talk to you, Dennis can talk to you, you can talk to Dennis, any of the other ministers. If there's anything in your life that you need to figure out, that you need help with, talk to somebody. You know, embarrassing or not, it's good to get things out and to get to a place where you can raise your hands. There's no shame in your life. There's no guilt. You can come and you can study the Word. You can be happy about it. You have life in your, you know, light in your life. With that said, with that said, I'm going to continue on. This letter is from James, a slave of God, which I'll add, uh, who was once a skeptic and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. So he's writing to the 12 tribes of Israel. Now you may say, during the time of Jesus, and, and um, you may say that 10 tribes of Israel were carried away by the Assyrians, and there were only two tribes left. How could there be 12 tribes? How could he be saying hi to 12 tribes? And the answer is pretty simple. The answer is pretty simple. Uh, during the time of King Hezekiah and the different kings, when the Israelite kings started worshiping idols, when the Israelite kings went away from God, a lot of people from Israel moved to Judah, moved to Jerusalem to get away from that. And so you had the entire 12 tribes preserved in that tribe of Judah and Benjamin. Um, it says Jewish believers. I am writing to the 12 tribes Jewish believers. Why is he talking to Jewish believers? Well, because this, when James was written, it was an early book. Most of the Christians of that time were Jewish. Apostle Paul had not gone on his missionary journeys at that point. 
and he hasn't he hadn't evangelized to everybody, so the people he was writing to were Jewish. It's, you know, kind of uh, makes sense. It says that they were scattered abroad. Now the question is, why were they scattered? Does anybody know the the, the, the answer to that? Well, persecution. So if you read the book of Acts, chapter eight, verse one and two, it says the following that there was a persecution in Jerusalem and that everybody scattered. Everybody was kind of, uh, if you imagine seeds being thrown around, they were scattered. They were thrown about because of the persecution. And the only people who were left in Jerusalem were the apostles. And they were in Jerusalem, but I'm sure they didn't have a great time being in Jerusalem. But it says only the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. Persecution. Let's talk a little bit about persecution. These people who fled were not having a great time. They are having a hard time. Imagine being uprooted, kicked out of where you're at because somebody's out to get you, somebody's out to kill you, like the Apostle Paul. And so you drop everything and you leave. You're in a new place, you're in a new location, you got a new job, you've left everybody behind. You're in a new place. You don't know what's going on. You're having a hard time. This is not like selling your house here in America. Uh, many people, as you guys know, either move into South Carolina, North Carolina, Florida, Georgia, all over the world. Um, they sell their house here. They have $150,000, $200,000 of equity. They go to this new place where houses are super dirt cheap. They buy a house for cash. Black, we're just going to be chilling here. Uh, this is not the type of movement or scattering that we're talking about here. These people had it hard. Think of them as refugees. You were woken up in the middle of the night, you have, you know, how much ever time, grab your stuff and go. And so that is verse 1. I am writing to the 12 tribes of Jewish uh, uh, 12 tribes Jewish believers scattered abroad greetings. And so my first, now we get to my first point, which is um, James chapter 1, verse 2. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. And so you can, if you can, put the questions up. And so the first, the, my first point is that all believers will go through trials. It says, dear brothers and, and sisters, with a little asterisk, I think it says dear brothers in the original, when troubles of any way, kind come your way. It doesn't say if troubles come your way. It says when troubles come your way. In other words, if you are a believer, or if you're anybody, there will be a time in your life when troubles will come your way. Troubles or trials. Now, you may ask, what is a trial? What's a hardship? Well, I'll tell you what a trial is. A trial is something that comes from the outside. It is not something that is self-inflicted. It is not you forgetting to close the door or the window in your car, it raining, your car flooding, and your car not starting. That is not a trial. That is something you did to yourself. A trial is something that kind of came out of the blue. It could happen to you specifically. It could happen to a group of people, a group of believers. 
but it's something that you were not expecting. It is not something that you did. It just came. How is it different than a temptation? Well, a trial comes from the outside, not something that you control, and a temptation is something that comes from within you. So trials come to you and happen to you. Temptations are within you, and you need to work on them. And so the first question I think I have up there is, what is your reaction? What is your attitude? What is your outlook when a trial, when a trouble comes your way? And just think about this. So you can write this down. You know, you don't have to share with anybody. But how do you react? How do you respond when trials and troubles come your way? And through the reading through the Bible, we find a couple different ways that people react. The first one is people say, well, there's a trouble in my life. I'm going to overcome this trouble. I'm going to get through this. Whatever, who cares? I'm going to get through this. I'm going to outsmart this thing. I'm going to outwork it. I'm going to outhustle it. Whatever it takes. The second way people react to troubles and trials is they just give up. Man, this is hard. I don't care anymore. I'm not going to do anything. Whatever. Some people, they start grumbling and complaining. The Israelites were a perfect example. They were in the desert. It was hard. It was hot. There was no water. There was no food. Or there was food that they didn't like. And they just started complaining. There was no ambulance they could call. So they were just complaining to Moses. They were complaining to God. They were complaining to everybody and anything. We want our onions. We want our watermelon and, and whatever else there's out there. The fourth way that people respond to, to hardships is they start feeling sorry for themselves. If you remember the story of Saul, how he was just sitting there and having a pity party. And he was just, you know, David's out there. He's doing well. Nobody feels sorry for me. So when troubles come your way, when there's a hardship in your life, do you try to out-hustle it? Do you just give up and, and say, you know, I can't do anything about it? Do you complain? Or do you just feel sorry for yourself and try to get other people to feel sorry for yourself? Because a pity party is not a party unless there's more than one person, right? Well, what does the Bible say that we should be doing? The Bible says, dear brothers and sisters, again, verse 2, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great, what? One person knows. An opportunity for great, the same one person. Come on, come on. It is an opportunity for great, can we try this again? An opportunity for great, okay. If we say that a couple times, it'll be a Christmas song. I love it. So what is joy? A feeling of happiness, of gratitude, of pleasure. Isn't that kind of confusing? To me, that was kind of confusing. How do you feel joy when you're going through trouble, when you're going through a trial? Like I was thinking about that yesterday when I was, was rocking Hannah at like 2 in the morning and I'm sleeping. I got to wake up in like, it was like five hours or something and it's just like, my head is starting to hurt. I'm not, I haven't slept in a while. How do you find joy? That's a good question. 
I've got three examples for you. And the examples are this. Exercise. When I thought of exercise, I thought of Mr. Edward Matyev. And I, I haven't asked him this, but I'm sure he can, he, can, uh, he can confirm. That exercise is not pleasant. I don't know how many of you exercise and it's pleasant and, it's feel, and you feel great. But I'm, I don't like exercising, I'll be honest with you. You can probably tell, but, uh, don't, you know, it's, it's, it's the holidays. Exercise is not pleasant while you're going through it, but it is pleasant after you're done. You feel good. You go running. You go biking. While you're doing it, it's hard. But when you're done biking, when you're done exercising, you get an adrenaline rush. You're like, man, that was so good. Here's another example. of This one I don't understand very well. But I've seen it happen three times. Birth. It's not very pleasant. It's not like, yeah, giving birth. Woohoo! If you know anybody like that, they may need evaluation by a specialist. But here's what I've noticed. That birth is not pleasant. There's, you know, all sorts of things that go into it. But after the baby is born, the mom has lots of joy. The dad has lots of joy. I mean, my first girl that was born... Well, while she was, born, was being born, I needed some apple juice because I felt like I was going to, you know, pass out. And they gave me some. But after she was born, I got these feelings and, of, of joy and I, I, like, started crying. It was just so overwhelming. You're so overwhelmed. You're like, wow, there's another human that just came to life. And it's really amazing. And the third one uh, may be less applicable, but... I don't know how many of you enjoy going to work and are just like, wake up in the morning, the alarm clock, the alarm clock rings, and you're like, yeah, we're going to go to work. Crickets? Nobody? I, I work in dentistry. You're like, yeah, we're going to find some dirty teeth today. Yeah, like they didn't brush and floss, and I'm sure they don't have bad breath, but if they do, we'll take care of it. Woohoo! Double mass, triple mass, so we don't smell it. You don't do that. But I'll tell you this, it, work is hard. It might not be pleasant at all times, but there's a joy to it that you know that you go to work, you take care of your family, you get a paycheck, and you can, you can, you can afford, you can buy a house, you, you, have, you can pay the bills, you can feed your family, and that gives you joy. Where am I going with this? Trials, tribulations, hardships. There will be hardships in our life. There will be trials and troubles in our life. The Bible says we are not to complain, to grumble, to give up, to feel sorry for ourselves, but to have joy. It's hard, but you have a joy because you know there's a purpose to it, and at the end there's something that's bigger than the, the thing that you're going through. And so the second question that you, that you have, or I had, is if it's joyous, what's the purpose? What's the purpose of these trials in our life? And so I'm going to be reading James chapter 3, uh, same chapter, chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. It says, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So there's three things three reasons, three purposes for these trials in our life. The first one is to test our faith. And you can say, well, how does it test our faith? What does it do? 
And so the question I have for you is, how do you know what kind of faith you have? For example, these girls right here, what kind of faith do you guys have? Do you know what kind of faith you have? Do you know what kind of faith you have? Do you guys know what kind of faith you have? Well, I'll tell you, the only way you're going to find out what kind of faith you have is through trials. There's going to be a trial. There's going to be a hardship in your life. And then your, your response, when you respond to that trial, you're like, wow, is my faith living or is it dead? Is my faith real or is it faith? Is my faith going to bring me to Jesus? Is it saving or is it non-saving faith? What is your response? So here's an illustration for you. Um, this is great for marriage. This is great for other things. Having kids, uh, this is great when you have siblings. So you all think you're perfect. I'm just being honest with you. When I was your age, I thought I was perfect. No, intellectually, you don't think you're perfect. But on a practical level, emotional level, you're like, I'm like better than average. Yeah? Everybody's better than average. I don't know who the bottom, you know, who, who's at the bottom of the totem pole with the average. But everybody here is better than average, for sure. That might not work out mathematically, but you're all better than average. Especially when you're by yourself. But, but, as soon as, as soon as other people, other situations are introduced into the mix, you understand that you're not perfect. I'm standing here having a good time, right? I'm doing well. I'm a pretty good guy. Now, Peter's going to be walking by, and he's going to step on my foot. That's a trial. That's a hardship in your life. All of a sudden, when he steps on your foot, something's going to come out of your mouth. And all of a sudden, whatever comes out of your mouth, you're going to be like, oh, my faith just got tested. If something bad came out of my mouth, I know where my faith is at. I'm not perfect. In other words, you're perfect when you're left alone. When you're alone and by yourself and there's no hardship in your life, that is not a good predictor of where your faith is at. Uh, my uncle had a cabin up in like Pateras, like eastern Washington. I was there by myself with my uncle. Oh, it was so peaceful. And then as soon as my siblings got involved, we started getting arguing and, you know, maybe f competition. I was like, man, it's, what's their problem like? Why am I so irritable? Why am I fighting with them? Why am I arguing with them? It must be them. When I was by myself, I was perfect. No, faith, I mean, trials, they expose you for, you, for who you really are. So if you're having issues in places, um, it, it's, it's, the trials are like a mirror that explain where your faith is. One, So that's the purpose of trials, number one. It tells you where your faith is. Two, it helps you grow in endurance. When there's hardships in your life, they build character. Um, there's a saying I like, I've, I've read it somewhere, that strong men produce easy times. Easy times produce weak men. Weak men produce hard times. And the loop continues. Hard times, they, they build strong people. And God is sending us trials in our life at times so we can be built up and so we can be strong, so we can be full of endurance.
And the third reason that trials are sent into our life, that it kind of ties in with the second one, is it says right here in verse 4, that you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. God's goal is to make you and me like Jesus Christ. Now, how is he going to do that? He's not going to do that with you laying in bed watching TV. He's not going to do that by you laying on the beach drinking orange juice or whatever people drink on the beach, right? He's going to give you trials. He's going to give you hardships in life so that you can be molded, so you can become like Jesus Christ. Um, you can read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13 if you want, a, if, if you want a, um, a reference for that. God is preparing you for his kingdom. God's not looking for weaklings. He's looking for people of character, people who can be in his kingdom. So we've gone over two points so far. The first one is that all believers will go through trials. The second one is that trials have a purpose. The third thing that we want to talk about is how to overcome trials. And we're going to read from verse 5. It says the following, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask for Him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave in the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them, and those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers, the little flower droops and falls, and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their achievements. So the first thing that it says on how you can overcome trials and, and tribulations in your life is one is ask God for wisdom. And if you wanted to know what the type of wisdom that's being talked about here, you can read two chapters ahead in James chapter 3, and it talks about what kind of wisdom he's talking about here. You don't know everything in life. And one of the things that God wants you to do is he wants to bring you to him so that you would ask him for wisdom. He wants to make me and you understand that we by ourselves are not strong enough or not wise enough, are not capable enough, and that we are in need of Christ. Two, it talks about faith. Um, verse 6, But when you ask Him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Faith in what? Faith that when you ask for God's wisdom, for His principles, for His ways of doing things, that that is the best way to do things. It says that if your loyalty or if your mind is divided, if you're like, well, let's do it God's way. Well, maybe not. Maybe do it my way. You will not be successful in overcoming these trials. And so one of the questions up there, I'm, I'm um, going through this, looking at the time, is um, why does the chapter talk about those who are rich and poor? And the answer to that question is God wants everybody to see their need. Those who are poor, it says, have an advantage because they're used to being needy. They're used to seeing their need before God. Those people who are rich or those people who, you know, have it all, oftentimes they don't see their need because 
they're used to taking care of things with their money, with their knowledge, with whatever. And so people who are poor, who are needy, have an advantage in that respect. And God wants everybody to see their need in Him. And verse 12, um, those who overcome trials will be blessed. It says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. Those, the word overcomes. It's not a result of whether the trial leaves your life or not. It's how you react to it. That's what's considered overcoming. The trouble may not leave your life, but if you react to it correctly, you're an overcomer via biblical definition. Blessed. Truly happy. Knowing that you're doing the right thing, you're doing things God's way. And you will receive a crown of life, or the crown which is life, a reward from God. And if I was to take it and kind of sum up what I was talking about, is that there is triumph, there can be triumph in our life, even though there may be trouble. If we take and think about the troubles we've encountered, and think about how we responded to those troubles, we should think about what God wants to teach us through those troubles, and when we understand that, we can have joy through them. We can overcome these trials by asking God for wisdom, doing things His way, and having faith that the way that God wants us to overcome, if we follow that, we will be successful. And so the troubles in our life may not change, but if our perspective on life changes, if our attitude changes towards it, we will be successful. And if I was to kind of take a sentence and conclude it, it would be this, that having triumph in your life, God's way, is not based on how the trial turned out, how the trouble turned out, whether it is still in your life or not in your life, but how you responded to it. Let us stand, let us pray. Let us think about the things that we're going through on our lives, how we respond to them, and let us ask God to help us go through these things in the correct way, go through them and have joy while we're going through it so that we can be blessed. Будем молиться.